0: What's up, this is Shaq Bird, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast.
1: What is going on everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This is the 17th episode of Season 3. Today we're going to be talking about a variety of fantasy football injury outlooks, breaking down guys like Cam Akers, Travis Etienne, Chris Godwin, and more, and their outlook for this coming season. Joining me to break this all down today, because I am severely underqualified, is a returning guest on the podcast. He is one of the absolutely best fantasy football injury experts in the world, working as a doctor of physical therapy for the Minnesota Twins minor league baseball team. He is also a medical analyst for fantasy points with one of the most handsome faces on the planet. And with over 14,000 loyal followers now, he is Edwin Porras. Welcome back to the show. My man, you're too nice. You are you are talking me up, and I'm about to. The point
0: we're supposed to do is set the bar extremely low, especially with my looks. <laughs> um, I'm growing out the luscious Maine right now. I uh, love that it. Shout out, Grand Barfield, my true inspiration. So I'm trying yeah. to grow that out a little bit. Uh, but I appreciate being on, man. Uh, I remember doing this last year with you. You were just getting started, relatively speaking, compared to where you are now. You've skyrocketed into the stratosphere you still you still got that college boy swag i mean i'm excited man let's talk some injuries let's talk some fantasy football i'm ready to i'm ready to to come out from the darkness of winter and talk some football man summer's right around the corner when summer hits that's when that's when the fantasy freaks come out so let's do it
1: (laughs) i know the fantasy freaks are going to come out every month now we have our mate we have our we have our draft freaks and then our May freaks, then we get some June ones, we get the July people, the training camp people, and then the August people are the, the best of the best. But nonetheless, I'm super excited to get into it today. And this time, unlike last time, I did not just you know throw in different injuries at you and stuff. I actually was able to group them together. For the listeners who did not hear my last episode with Edwin last year, I was all over the place. But I wanted to start kind of near the top you know, ADP-wise and kind of work our way down when we could. And I think when it comes to injuries and concern, I think the first player that a lot of us think of is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the one that has a lot of different stuff. He's had a lot of different ailments, so I would say, but he's never had a he never tore his ACL or his Achilles or anything crazy. He's had a number of, you know, little different bumps and bruises. So Edwin, do you think it's just, you know, bad luck, like we said Joe Mixon kind of was last year, and he's had a couple, you know, nicks that were going to be okay, or should we really be concerned about his body starting to wear down at the meager age of twenty five? That's right, man. I I,
0: I I, guess I flag planted. We were talking earlier before we hit record with our flag planted. I don't remember. I kind of inadvertently or, or passively flag planted Joe Mixon last year when yeah. people were freaking out about his foot and he ended up being fine. He had, I think, one. He missed. I don't even think he missed a game with an angle. I don't even again. remember. No, did miss again. So, yeah, man, injuries are weird. And here's the thing when you're talking fantasy football, you have to play the chances and play the odds. And so what I see oftentimes is people will cast a wide net when it comes to injuries and they'll say, oh, this person missed a lot of time because of injuries. That means if X, then Y, and they fall into that fallacy. If this person was injured before, this person will be injured again. I will not risk anything for this individual during my drafts. I think that, that it just requires a lot more nuance than that. I can't say that I know what's going to happen because I don't know Any of these athletes' routines, I don't know their strength and conditioning programs. I don't know what their prehab-rehab looks like. I don't know what their training looks like. I don't know what their schedule. I don't know what their sleep is. I don't know their underlying medical conditions. The list goes on and on of the things that I don't know. So that and every other injury analyst, that's what we're working with. So this is kind of educated guessing based on their history and what we know. So when it comes to history, we have to zoom out, take a big picture look. Since he was at Stanford, Christian McCaffrey missed, well, let's say from, from his time at Stanford until the 20, I believe it was the 2020 season, right? So from Stanford until 2019, he missed one football game because of injury. One, and it was at Stanford. He played three full NFL seasons without an injury, without missing a game because of injury. Now. If you flip it and look at that from the perspective that literally less than 3% of NFL games are injury-free, that's pretty absurd, right? That, that a running back, an NFL running back, regardless of how much volume he was getting at that time, didn't miss any games at a position where uh, we feel like they're, eh, this is arguable conversation for another day. But there are, there tend to be more severe injuries, if that makes sense. And that didn't happen to him. So if you look at it from that perspective and you recognize that he's been healthy and he was healthy. And then he had this flood of injuries over the last two years that are hamstring, ankle, shoulder. Alex, I'm going to let you guess the top three injuries to running backs
1: by region, by body region. What are they? Top three, uh, I would guess hamstring is probably one of them. Got it. Nailed it. Shoulder, would that be another one? And the last one would be like a concussion. No, oh ACL. Oh, I
0: just, I just gave you. The, I just gave him two: I hamstring, <laughs> shoulder, um, ankle. Those three. You were so close. Two out of 66 percent. Oh man, I guess if you were batting, that'd be a really good average. But you're not. You're still in college. You're yeah. still a college kid, so you you automatically get a D. All right. So what you need to know, right? I've been gone. On, I've gone on long enough about Chris McCaffrey. I'm sorry, he's missed one game over a period of like four years, and played an entire three entire NFL seasons. Without a scratch, this could be injury regression. I don't know anything that's going on behind the scenes. I don't know if anything he made any changes to a training regimen, like I mentioned over and over and over again. I do know that at one point this season he finally started taking rest days, and I know that his snaps are a concern. He plays 90 to 95% of the snaps. Derrick Henry doesn't even play 90 to 95% of snaps. Derrick Henry snaps typically max out around 75%. In addition to that, Derrick Henry started taking veteran rest days a couple of years ago. Christian McCaffrey didn't start doing that until now. The hamstring is what it is. He tried to come back too quickly from it. Uh, regardless of what happened there or why that happened, we don't know. But hamstrings are common in speed type running backs, speed, you know, speed receivers. Hamstrings happen to skill players. They're, it's just a common injury. So even though now he's at a higher risk for a hamstring strain in and of itself, I still stand by the fact that an AC sprain and a high ankle sprain, in addition to the quad issue that he had, those are just that's 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 the cost of doing business as an NFL running back. All of that is to say, I can't predict what's going to happen. I can't predict if he's going to have a hamstring recurrence. Those do tend to recur at a clip, depending on what resource you look at. I've looked they they tend to recur between like 20 and 30%. Um, But what you can know is it seems like a fluke, right? It seems like something that is just out of the ordinary. And this was just injury regression hitting him all at once. A good example is, and we'll get, and we'll talk about him a little later, is Saquon Barkley. Like Saquon Barkley, we were Saquon Barkley to the moon last year, and then he stepped on a defender's foot and rolled his ankle. Like you can't predict those things. So I'm not telling you I'm predicting a healthy season for Christian McCaffrey. I'm saying that based on the statistics, based based on the data and his own historical context, I think that he's going a little too late in drafts. And if we were sitting here, I mean, this time last year, he was still being drafted top two, right? I mean, nothing changed since then. Nothing has changed other than people's perception uh, and maybe a slightly increased risk of a hamstring occurrence.
1: I love that. I love that. A, that's a really good way to, to word that with him. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that there, it doesn't seem like some real huge like additional, you know, risk. And I hope that he can be the guy. The other thing that I also wanted to mention that wasn't necessarily his training camp routine, but just something that some beat reporters talked about is that he actually, I guess, talked with Marshall Falk, I guess who missed like no more than 11 games in a season in his entire career um about like kind of what he did to kind of stay healthy and stay on the field. So I don't know how much those things, you know, impact. I know Will Fuller was doing yoga stuff last year and, and all that, and we saw how that worked out. But I, I don't know if that makes any difference, but I think the rest – do you think – sorry, real quick before you move on McCaffrey. Do you think these rest day things like that Derrick Henry started taking and stuff do make a difference? Like and do they lessen the toll on your body at all? Like do you think those rest day things make a big difference for players?
0: Oh, Alex, I don't think – I mean, that's what the data shows, right? I try not to have an opinion. Usually what I try to, to say is based in some sort of data. And we know by uh, work done by Tim Gabbitt is, and a lot of other individuals in the workload management sort of world, that's that's sort of caught on in the NFL and pro sports lately, is big spikes in workloads are one of the reasons people suffer, uh, athletes suffer soft tissue strains. And so if he has... Either a big spike or a chronic high-level workload. Sounds familiar. Sound it's on the like Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> those are the two risk factors, the biggest risk factors for soft tissue strains. Okay. So these are modifiable, right? The amount of work he puts in in the off-season, that's modifiable. And the amount of work that he gets during the week, aka rest days, if you want to call it maybe the snaps, like snaps that he might uh, you know, be taking, those are modifiable. This is a fixable problem, and I can't predict what the Panthers' medical staff is going to do. But I know there are some really smart people working in those rooms, and I just can't imagine they're going to go full force, full steam ahead with the exact same plan they've had for him because they cost that organization. He cost that organization a lot of money, and things tend to change when guys who cost a lot of money uh, aren't on the field. So again, I can't predict anything. But I just think there's there's gotta be some sort of change. Something's gotta give. And McCaffrey's history in the greater scheme, other than the last two years, has shown us he can stay healthy.
1: Yep, absolutely. I love that. The next guy I want to talk about is probably the the least maybe important. I don't know about maybe that's not fair to say of like the injury people that there doesn't seem like another thing, but similar to Christian McCaffrey with just some bad luck injuries. Um, that that we also have here is is my man DeAndre Swift. I gotta I have to ask about my boy. Um, to see, and he's had he had a groin strain that he missed no games from. He had the shoulder. Has he called you back re- yet? By the way, is he what? Has he called you back or he has not called me back? You back? I uh, think no, not sending you send up. texting
0: nope. at any point. It's I mean, he's
1: at this point, he's just like a bad ex that just like I, I, I still have feel the love, but I'm not getting any love back. But there's hope. An
0: ex, there's I hope. mean, you're, your hopes are high there. You're really did that didn't really happen, Alex. I mean, I don't think he's, has he has responded <laughs> to you on Twitter. I mean, I think this is a one way street here. You might want to move on. I don't know. Don't hurt maybe,
1: yourself anymore. Maybe it's time to move on, but maybe it should start with taking the jersey out of my room. Who knows? But <laughs> the biggest thing is he did have that shoulder injury, which you said is one of the top three most common injuries for running backs. He dealt with a concussion the year before. He also had that groin strain that may have, you know, limited him a little bit, but do you think there's anything that really suggests that, you know, we should be worried about him? Cause I know you were a little worried last year about the groin strain. I know that was something that concerned you, but you know, coming off another year, are you still concerned about some of these injuries? I think there's
0: a minimal to moderate level of concern, but okay. you can also look at it as like, this is an NFL body. He yeah. has had the groin thing going on. He had surgery for it in 2018. It came up again in the preseason last year, probably not unsurprising. Yep. The groin at some point could give, we know that those outcomes, uh, I think they're based on, if I, I need to go back and look at the research, the, out, the long-term outcomes on, those groin surgeries aren't typically further out than I think like two years, I can't imagine. Uh, But I have to double check that research. But they have good outcomes, that's what we know. But he's getting further and further away from that surgery. Does it come back? Does it bite him in the butt? We don't know. We know there's about a 20% recurrence rate in concussions based on data from 2016 to 2019. In addition to the shoulder injury, I mean, that's just an AC sprain. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's had an AC sprain, right? Um, DeAndre Swift had an AC sprain last year. We know that Justin Jefferson had an AC sprain. Uh, in the preseason last year, everybody freaked out about it. Uh, I just do people get AC sprains like Cortland Sutton had an AC sprain before he tore his ACL. These AC sprains happen. I'm not concerned about that in particular. If I'm not going to say that he is, you know, in the realm of, I don't know, somebody like Austin Eckler who even has his own injury mileage, but he is a very minimal risk. As it as it concerns to like all the surgeries, I can't I can't tell you that he's a super high risk. I think he's he's good. And I think I ended up I ended up settling last year in the preseason. I think he was going in like the third round or something. And I ended up saying, like, I think I think that's fair. I think he's a good value in the third. I'm willing to take him in the second. So and I and I feel that I don't know where he's going now, but I don't think he's like a super high risk or anything like that.
1: Okay. Well, sticking at the the top of the like the ADP, you know, so to speak, for for injuries and stuff like that, Derek Henry's another guy. Um, that, you know, dealt with that foot injury last year that, that caused him to miss a lot of the season. And then he was able to come back in the playoffs. And, you know, he wasn't super effective, but that was still the first time that he had played in gosh knows how long. So foot injuries, really heavy running backs. Is there any correlation with, like, you know, how that impacts him beyond this year? Like, what is your level of concern with Derrick Henry knowing that he's coming off a major foot injury, he's getting a little bit older, and he's a heavier guy? Are these concerns for you?
0: I wouldn't call them concerns. I'd call them considerations. Okay. And something that you really have to, we have to be cognizant of is that these Jones fractures that he had, they do heal up in about 10 weeks. They did wait 10 weeks for it to come back. The re-injury rate drops precipitously. There's still about a 10 to 15% recurrence rate in these injuries. When you have uh, a big guy like Derrick Henry, you do kind of worry about that frame and those feet holding up. There are two schools of thought. The first school of thought is that's a lot of weight moving around for a long time. You also have the school of thought is well, yeah, his bones are just as big as the rest of his body, right? Like there's not some massive disproportionate asymmetry that's you know giving him my baby foot or something like that holding them up, right? It's a Derrick Henry foot. Like a Derrick Henry foot, it's a Derrick Henry foot. So in terms of the foot and sort of axial uh, compressive injuries because of his size and and just the raw power that he generates. I think it's a, a minimal to moderate concern. He is coming up sort of off that age cliff now, but he's also generational and they hand him the ball a ton. So will he hit that sort of that cliff this year? It's certainly possible. The other thing is we don't have a lot of precedent for a running back like Derrick Henry, who has been really good for a long time at his size. And so you know, when it comes to PPR formats, maybe you start to pay to him a little bit and maybe he, his rushing regresses the way we all thought that it would last year. Uh, I don't think that you're going to get peak Derek Henry, but I do think that he'll still be, I mean, very good.
1: Okay. That's, that's fair. So I, so from what I'm taking away is, okay, there are considerations, you know, if it's between you're a 50 50 coin between him and someone else, you might take the other guy.
0: Exactly. There are considerations,
1: exactly. But it's not like a, Hey, you should really be thinking about this when you're drafting like huge concern here. Okay. That makes it going, going down a little bit in, in ADP. uh, Cam Akers is going right now, you know, the back end of the second rounds, early round of third and drafts and stuff like that. And he's coming off, you know, the Achilles injury. That was a, medical marvel that it sounded like from when he was able to come back in in just five months from a torn achilles and he obviously wasn't super effective whether it was because of the tough run defenses or the fact that he's coming off a torn achilles um in in the aftermath of that but how do you see this whole achilles situation because i know that we talked last year and when we talked you said these achilles injuries really seem to zap people a little bit of, of some of their explosiveness and their speed. But the other side of that, which I don't know if it makes a, a factor for someone like myself, I don't know, is for someone like Cam Akers, he's a, almost a year removed. By the time we get to the season, he'll be over a full year removed. So how do you see you know that impacting you know his ability to get back to 100%? Uh,
0: this is a tough one, right? Because you sort of mentioned it. It's not that it was a ne- necessarily a medical marvel for everything we have going on. These days in sports medicine, yep. it was just the first time we'd seen it in a high profile player. He had a painting of the Achilles as opposed to like the traditional open procedure that allowed him to become weight bearing and start training and rehab a lot more, a lot quickly, a lot more quickly than than traditionally thought. And he did come back at that like six and a half, seven month mark, which I every time I come on a podcast, and I have to talk about this. I hate being like the Debbie Downer because I, I don't want to discredit the fact that he put in an insane amount of work in a short period of time. And the sports medicine department in LA did a phenomenal job getting him back to, like, I know we're fantasy we're fantasy players and we want to analyze, like, but how to what degree does this matter? To how is he going to perform for my fantasy team? But just as a, an outsider looking in as a PT, I'm just, like, amazed that they even got him back in the first place. I want that to be, like, that's the foreground, right? So I want that to be at the front of everybody's mind before I go off on this little tangent that I'm about to give, right? So... Here's the argument against Cam Akers. In the playoffs, among running backs with at least 20 attempts, he was last in EPA per attempt. He was last in points above replacement. He was third to last in expected points above average. He was third to last in points earned per play. You also talk about the penalties that were three to four penalties, you know, 10 to 15 yards. I don't really think that would have impacted his efficiency that much, Right. And there's also the argument of like well yeah maybe part of the reason that they were able to gain that chunk of yardage was because there was a penalty in the first place so all in all he looked like a guy coming off seven months of an achilles tear like that's what he looked like to me he had decent bursts he looked like a guy who'd done his rehab and stuck to it and he he looks great the question with tendons is and you sort of alluded to it here and i need to sort of back up and explain i'm talking a lot alex and try to keep it short the difference between an acl for example like a ligament and a tendon is that the ACL is not live tissue the ACL for example it's just an example we're giving is a ligament connecting bone to bone a tendon is different when you reconstruct an ACL a ligament it's it needs to reintegrate itself into the body but you use all of the muscles around it your hamstrings your quads your glutes everything to surround it and become powerful again once that ligament is integrated it doesn't be it's not used as a force development in and of itself it's indirect a tendon is an attachment from the muscle, the muscle that the, your big calf muscles that help you stand up on your tippy toes and jump and sprint and cut and sort of, uh, uh, bend your foot. That is the tendon that we're dealing with. When you have a disruption of the tendon and a subsequent post-operative procedure, that tendon is never the same. Mm. It needs to be perfectly lined up like little rows, the collagen fibers. And if it's not, it's imperfect and you lose energy and you lose force production through that tendon right? And it's never the same. So when you ask the question, you know, he's a year removed from the injury. Yes. But that also leads to the question as well, do these tendons tend to degrade over time, as opposed to improve over time, to whereas that's not necessarily the case with an ACL, because it's live tissue, right? The tendon is live tissue. So all of that is a long winded answer to tell you is that he could be better next year. But the bottom line is that the data simply has no precedent or shows no precedent for a guy that is Cam Akers is caliber. And all of the data shows that any NFL running back coming off an Achilles is just not, does not pan out well for them. So when you look at Cam Akers, you're operating based solely on chance. You're operating off the fact that, you know, he's young, you know, they invested a lot of draft capital in him and you know that he's going to get at least, you know, the first whack at the lead running back position. But you also have to consider the fact that you are going based off of those factors that are not studied. We don't have data. You don't have data to support your cam makers love. You don't have precedent to support your cam makers love, and that's fine, right? I'm not saying you have to, but understand that you you can have conviction because he's your guy, and if, if cam makers is your guy, stick with your guy, 100. Just understand that there's no data to back it. There's no data to refute it, right? But there's no data to back it.
1: Yeah. So just just for my own understanding, just to make sure we like, we kind of have this clear. So with with cam makers, from what I'm hearing is. There definitely is a level of concern because although he is a super high profile player with a lot of great things going for him, this injury has no real precedent of someone returning fully to form after having this Achilles injury. It doesn't mean that he's going to be out of the NFL next year, the year after, but the chances are that he will never return to that full level explosiveness that he had pre-injury. hundred percent. And I said that last
0: year on my original, like the last on the injury prone podcast, uh, I ended up saying like Cam Akers might only ever be eighty five to ninety percent of what we expected or wanted him to be. Yeah. For an NFL talent, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Right? But as course.
0: fantasy performers or as fantasy players, might not pan out the way we expected to or the way that we wanted to.
1: Yep, that that totally makes sense. And another guy that also had an, Ach- an Achilles injury that I'm curious to to kind of talk about is is James Robinson. I mean, James Robinson also had an Achilles, so I don't know if you know whether or not. He had that pinned Achilles versus the open kind of procedure and, and how that affects it. And with his timeline, because I think he got hurt, he tore his AC. sorry, he tore his Achilles in around December. Like, do you think that he can, you know, return, you know, early in week one or week two of the season? Or is he going to be a little bit more uh, impacted by coming off of it? Yeah,
0: so that's a good question. I don't really know the type of procedure that he had, uh, but we know that he did undergo surgery late December, early January the thing about the procedure that cam Akers had is it's not widely available and yeah. you hate to you know you hate to put it this way we don't really know what level of investment the jaguars want to put into james robinson whether they want to fly him to a, a doc who can do that procedure whether they want to go through in the first place whether they just say hey whatever we have travis etienne just take your time rehab the chances are he had the traditional uh, repair as a running back. That's going to take nine to ten months at least to come back from. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily plan on him being back until you know the middle of the season. And I just don't know how. As an undrafted free agent, right? So now it's the opposite of Cam Akers, right? Undrafted for, or was he fourth round or undrafted? I don't even remember.
1: He was undrafted. He was undrafted. He was undrafted. Yeah, he
0: was, yeah. Yeah. As a guy was undrafted, right? Coming into a new, co- you know, a new uh, coaching staff behind Travis Etienne, a guy they put a lot of draft capital in, a guy they seemed to like a lot. I just. I just don't, unfortunately, I can see him going the Marlon Mack, Deontay Foreman sort of trajectory.
1: Wow. That's, that's, I think, so this is, this is the real question for us, us fantasy footballers, you know, out out here is that with the, the James Robinson conundrum of what he's going to look like, I think a lot of people are concerned about less what he's going to look like, but how much of himself is he going to look like in terms of going after and trying to take work away from, from Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne will be the next player we'll get into. But I think the thing, and in, in, I'm, I'm going to guess here, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, that going off of the whole Cam Akers and how he could return, that James Robinson will be the same thing, that you know, once he returns, he's never going to be as explosive as we saw last year, and he won't be the same player. But the other thing I want to ask with that is, while he probably won't be the same player like you said, Is he gonna be a little bit more impacted in a negative way because he's just off that nine or ten month timeline compared to Cam Akers? Like does Cam Akers having that extra six or seven months to to return like before the James Robinson had that? Will that help, you know, Cam Akers more than it would James Robinson? Does that make sense Uh, what I just said?
0: In theory, yeah. In theory, the extra time that Cam Akers puts in the offseason to, you know. Work on his power. Work on his agility. Work on his yeah. speed, and do those things that he might still have been would have been lacking uh, in right. in you know in the playoffs. Then yeah, theoretically, that's that's the case. That would be the case.
1: Okay, that makes sense. And then what about Travis Etienne, his his teammate? You know he had he had a list Frank injury, which one of the rare things that I do know a tiny bit about, and that it is not a fun injury to have. And Lisfranc Frank injuries are not a fun injury to have. Do you
0: have one of these.
1: I have not had, but uh, okay, okay, uh, okay. but it's one of the rare things in fantasy football that I've done a little bit of research about and seen. And it just seems like anyone that has a list Frank injury, like those things are rough to have. So Travis ATN, though, is getting a lot of hype coming out of camp that he's, you know, looking great in his shorts and his helmet and not a lot of pads on. He's looked so great without uh, with the wind in his hair. And so did Marvin Mack
0: last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember. I
1: remember. So. With Travis Etienne, should we be buying the fact that he people are saying that he looks fully healthy? Or do you think that this list franc injury might, you know, limit his explosiveness either during the year to start or for the whole year?
0: It's hard to say, right? Yeah. This is kind of a unique situation. What you find here based on the study in 2018, by seeing in colleagues, it's performance-based outcomes following list frank injury among professional American football and rugby athletes, there's a 21% offensive production dip these injuries impact offensive players uniquely in the sense that they are impacted uh, on the ground now you can argue they don't use the best formula because they include touchdowns and we know that touchdowns are kind of random so you know you you can take that with a grain of salt uh, but still 21 percent, nonetheless and you also look at the fact that we don't know if they're going to take the hardware out and take the pin out or if they're going to leave that hardware in there. And that definitely plays a factor. Like, think about big, clunky metal in your foot when you're trying to run and jump, right? Like, that definitely will, will be an issue. And Marquise Brown, his first year after, Hollywood Brown, the first year after he had the list break, he actually was on the injury report seven times with foot or ankle. So we know that after that, he got the screw out of his foot, and that was actually a report, is that he played through 2020 with the screw, which is not uncommon, right? That happens, but we don't, that's another factor to consider sort of against Etienne. The, uh, the last thing is you also have to consider he is in helmet and pads like you said he has not played an NFL snap you know real time he didn't get to go through the entire the entirety of camp he didn't you know go through the dog days of of his rookie season where he learned what an NFL season is and he also doesn't know his body hasn't adjusted to the fact that it hasn't gone through an NFL season if you consider the fact that he just took a whole year off from football he didn't just take a whole year off from you know training and he didn't take a whole year off from lifting weights or running routes, he took a whole year off from football and he focused most of the year on rehabbing. So in addition to that, him being basically, right, from that context, still a rookie. And we know rookies don't really get into the groove until week eight, nine, 10, right? Tip typically is what we see when we see breakout rookies. All of those factors go into where you're gonna put Travis Etienne. Is he gonna blow, you know, the doors off? I don't necessarily think so. But could he provide some value as a receiver and maybe be sort of like a, a PPR, uh, I don't want to say monster, but like a PPR you know, player that keeps you afloat. Yeah, I think so. I just wouldn't expect like this huge, you know, big wave of offensive production where Travis Etienne came out of nowhere and is a league winner. Like I wouldn't necessarily anticipate that.
1: Okay, so because a lot of people are saying that Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift 2.0 the exact running back that you want, that's just going to come out and explode onto the scene, playing in a bad offense that can explode and catch passes. So you're saying that Travis Etienne is probably not likely to be that explosive that they were saying that DeAndre Swift was last year.
0: I mean, it's just so interesting when people like, like say that stuff, because I mean, and this, again, I feel like I'm denigrating Travis Etienne, who's put in a lot of work in rehab. That's not what I'm doing, but you were looking at a guy who's essentially still a rookie, potentially with hardware still in his foot, hasn't played an NFL snap coming off a year of not playing football at all and the narrative is he's going to come on and be barry sanders right like how do you a guy can come back and be good without being a top five nfl running back of all time does that make sense i think we're gonna he's gonna see moments right he's probably gonna make a a few splash plays I think he's probably gonna get a lot of receiving work but i think he's going to be fine i think i tweeted yesterday i think he's gonna be like i i would not be surprised if he finishes like RB twelve to fifteen ish, which is good, right? That's good. But like, do not expect any player, unless they're literally Barry Sanders, to come back from being off a year from football and not playing any professional football, and then exploding onto the scene as if nothing ever happened. I feel but, like that's reasonable, Alex. Is that reasonable? Am I being unre- am I the unreasonable one?
1: But Edwin, he played with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Like, obviously, he's ah, going to be amazing. No, I'm man, I'm, I'm kidding. That I'm that being sarcastic for the listeners you, for here. He's got but, that uh,
0: Dabo Swinney.
1: So, yeah, seriously, we might as well just bring Davo in instead of Urban Meyer and <laughs> kick Doug Peterson to the curb. But that's that's interesting to know about about Etn and that, that like that definitely is a concern. The other thing I want to ask about him real quick before we move on. You also mentioned the pin the pin thing, like whether or not he's playing with metal in his foot. So like, let's say August comes around, it's a month before the season, and we hear that either like he still got the screws in his foot, he's gonna play with it, or he just got the screws out on on August first. Is that like, do either one of those really, you know, impact positively or negatively on his, like, range of outcomes for this year?
0: I think it's a drop in the bucket.
1: Okay. Um, I think it's primarily
0: something that you would feel more optimistic if you hear that. Yep. I don't think, I don't know if it'll happen this year because typically that's another procedure, right? And that, that's, like, another full, like, recovery. That's, like, oh. a recovery time. Okay. So, so if it hasn't you... happened by now, like, it's got to happen, like, now. If it's going to happen, it'll happen within the next, like, month. But. Okay. Will it change like where I see him necessarily? Maybe a tick higher. Maybe I'll say he'll finish potentially RB 11 to 14, right? Like it'll help me a little bit in that instance, but I don't think it's like a massive wave. I just mentioning that in the context of the great picture.
1: Okay, so it's probably not going to happen this season if it doesn't happen really soon because of the recovery time for it. Okay, that makes sense. So let's let's also, we've done... Some of the other injuries and now it's our everybody's favorite time of the show. And it's, it's ACL time, unfortunately. And I I do not, I say that with a heavy heart. Uh, I hate ACL injuries. I think they're terrible and I hate seeing players go through them because it's everyone knows it's an automatic, you know, nine to 12 month recovery, but we'll, we'll start with the players that, you know, are coming right off the torn ACL and then kind of jump into some of the players that are, you know, a year removed and what that looks like. But, I don't know if you'd want to start with running back or receiver. Let's start with running back if we can with, with JK Dobbins, you know, he's coming off a torn ACL and that obviously is not very fun. So what do you think that he looks like? Because we got a report yesterday saying that, you know, he is getting, he just, sorry, he was catching passes from a jugs machine, not moving around. Like where should he be at in his recovery right now? And how do you anticipate him looking for the season? Yeah,
0: I, I think I want to get this sort of across right now, please. It is June, but it's (laughs) second. Do not feed in to the machine of reports of a guy looking good in shoulder pads and shorts, of a guy limping, of a guy who just got a a tooth pulled, um, of a guy who just bought a new Lexus and like, like, got his, like, it's just relax, people. Reports in June are mainly, primarily meaningless. Joe Burrow was in a brace and hardly limping around and they didn't bring Joe Mixon into the backfield, anyone other than Joe Mixon into the backfield so that he wouldn't yeah. run into anybody in June last year. Like June is still super early. I know as fantasy fanatics, we like to freak out and think everything matters. Now it doesn't, things don't matter right now. Like in all honesty, they matter to the sense where we can like project forward. Cause again, we, we have some context, but I mean, it's not that big of a deal. So, when it comes to J.K. Dobbins, he tore his ACL. Remind me when he tore his ACL. I think it was like late or mid-August,
1: yep. maybe? Yeah, mid-August. Okay.
0: So he is getting really close, right? What would we be, July? August? He's roughly nine to 10 months. Depending on how severe the injury was and whether or not he had a meniscus, which they've been really tight-lipped about it. Uh, i actually have been asking around some some uh, Baltimore reporters that, that would be in the know, and they said they don't even know, like, I think the most up-to-date thing is that there was an Instagram video posted about him a couple days ago, where he was in the pool. So I imagine that if he's not moving around, it might have been a more severe injury. But I don't want to make that assumption. All you need to know is that by week one, he will likely be ready. It is highly unlikely, unless there's there was extensive damage, like we're talking Joe Burrow level and above damage. It is highly unlikely that he still will be limited by the time twelve months rolls around and the season is here. So. Same thing, sort of similar to Saquon from last year. We're not, Dobbins isn't like a generational athlete or anything like that, but I still think he can give you 85 90% of what you would anticipate he would give you from a performance standpoint.
1: Okay. And if I have this correctly, first year off an ACL, like this year for him, does he have a higher injury risk of other soft tissue injuries, like coming right off the ACL?
0: Uh, that that There is a higher chance of soft tissue and there is a higher chance of uh, you know, just the knee flaring up in and of itself. So there is a little bit of added risk there. It typically, you know, t- you, you, ha- you typically what you see is the older, that'll happen to the older players. Um, but you don't really typically see that in younger players who have an entire year to recover. I, again, I don't want to say it won't happen, uh, knock on wood, but I don't necessarily see that happening.
1: Okay. So overall with J.K. Dobbins, there's not a huge you know, worry about like what he's going to look like and if he's going to be the same himself at at this point, um, going I, into this year.
0: I would say that
1: cautious optimism.
0: I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic. He will look fine. Like okay. I don't think you can expect him to look like, you know, this year two off of ACL. But I think that he will look fine. I think he'll look good. And whatever that means to you you know, take that for what it's worth. I think you just got to cut a little, a little bit off the top of your one after ACL for him.
1: Fair. What about guys like like Chris Godwin, you know, coming off an ACL because he tore it a lot later than, than JK Dobbins did. I mean, Chris Godwin tore it around, you know, like late December, right, right around the playoffs. And that is going to be putting more on a timeline of the nine month timeline to around, you know, September. So how do you see Chris Godwin, you know, in his recovery, do you think he's going to be back really early in the season? Do you think he could take a little bit longer? And when he does get back, you know, how long is it going to take for him to get back to form? I think you're muted. Oh, I think we are having gotcha, oh, we're, gotcha. There gotcha. Go. gotcha.
0: Sorry about that. So here's the thing about Godwin. He had surgery roughly January. We're going to say, again, sort of another soapbox is, Nine months is the absolute minimum for almost every single NFL player, for almost every single uh, professional athlete out there, because we know that there's a seven-fold increase in re-tear rate if you come back before nine months. Can you come back before nine months? I mean, there's like one documented case of an offensive player. Um, I'm I, I'm slip His name's slipping my mind right now. He went to, to Clemson, but he did it. Uh, highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely that a player who had an ACL tear in the NFL is going to come back. Prior to nine months, with that background, we have to understand that they you can't calculate the nine months from the day of the injury. You calculate the nine months from the day of the surgery, and we know based on the date of the reported surgery for Godwin that the soonest possible day he could come back and be full strength is October third. Wow! I think there have been some reports saying, "Oh, you know, he's up in the air." You know, this just seems like the team playing coy. You know how leading up to the week a dude's never going to play and you sort of know he's not going to play but the coaches are still the coaches are still saying like oh you know he might play I think this is that just on the long you know just in the long term I don't necessarily think he's back by week one um you hope so right you really hope so but the reality is we're probably not going to see him until early to mid-october based on the dates and the reports that we got
1: that makes sense and once he gets back in you know mid-october ish like is he someone that you know, could return to form right away? Cause I know it's a little bit different for wide receivers versus running backs, or do you think it'll take like a couple weeks or maybe the entire season for him to get back to being the Chris Godwin that we all know and love?
0: Yeah. So it's a good question. Obviously wide receivers are, um, it's a little, his e- injuries a little easier on them. They don't sure. have to produce power in the same way. They do have to be agile and quick. And that's, I guess, in its own way powerful, but they, they tend to have an easier time off of these injuries and, you know, you think about guys like Cooper Cup, you think about guys like, you know, Allen Robinson, you do have like the increased soft tissue and knee sort of issue, the knee swelling in and of itself sort of recurring. So he is at an elevated risk, but you can probably still slot him in for 85, 80 to 85% of what you, you would anticipate from him. At least yeah. um, if he gives you anything more than that, then you should just be happy.
1: Okay. So would you be fading him a little bit at cost right now, just because it might take him a little bit, cause he won't be up. A- Directly hundred percent, and then there's still people drafting him, thinking that he has a chance to be ready week one. Where's he going? He he's going like right now around like the fourth draft, fourth round of drafts, like in in the pick picks around the forties. Who's like
0: he going? Going, You got going, around him?
1: He's going the same range right now as Cortland Sutton and uh, Travis Etienne, right around there.
0: I take I take both those guys before it's Okay,
1: going. all right, fair enough. Yeah. What about someone like? Uh, I know this is so sad because he's had so many injuries, but just a little bonus player would be Odell Beckham, you know, coming off the ACL. I know like he literally, I mean, injured in the Super Bowl, and that is in February. And I don't know when his surgery date is, but I mean, if if his surgery dates in February, it probably sounds to me like it'll be great if we can even get him back before the playoffs at this point. Is that accurate? Very
0: accurate. Uh, Yeah, man, that sucks. You really hate to see it to to happen to a guy like that.
1: Um, Here's
0: the thing is, most protocols that you look at, I know you yep. mentioned the nine months. When it's a retail, a lot of docs won't even want them back until the ten month mark. Yep. So ten months from the surgery is when you are realistically safely seeing Odell <laughs> Beckham Jr. I can see him. You know, I don't know. He's still, he's the Rams still have him on the roster, don't they?
1: No, they haven't resigned him. They haven't
0: resigned him. He's currently a free agent. Yep. I can see him being, you know, one of those guys that playoff t- time comes it's week 15, 16, you know, even playoff start and he gets picked up by a team. Yep. Like, I think it's going to be one of those situations closer yep. to one of those situations, but yeah, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't count on OBJ being back anytime before, like right. that sort of late, late season.
1: Fair. Well, the last two guys I want to talk about before we, we move on to your flag plant um, for today are uh, Saquon Barkley and Cortland Sutton. And that is a running back and a wide receiver. But the thing they have in common is they're both coming in the second year off an ACL injury. So last year you were confident in Saquon Barkley coming off the ACL injury already. But for guys like Cortland Sutton and Saquon Barkley, do they have an added advantage now that they're at a a full second year off their ACL injuries without huge setbacks in the offseason? Cortland Sutton's going
0: to be fine. However. I'd like to have a minute about Saquon Barkley.
1: Please. Okay.
0: In 2021, the Giants had the eighth worst A dot as an offense. The seventh worst. They were the seventh worst in points earned per play. They had a negative 38 points above average. That was, that was league sixth worst. They were the fifth worst in EPA as an offense. They were the sixth worst in adjusted net yards per attempt. Before Saquon Barkley injured his ankle, he had the following statistics that I've quoted over and over and over again, and I pinned it on my profile. Nobody seemed to care. I don't have it in front of me. I can't find it. Um, But moral of the story, Saquon Barkley scored like 29 fantasy points in like week four. Um, And the thing about it is he played 58% of snaps in – the first week back and then he jumped to 80 something percent of snaps and he was really good in terms of fantasy scoring prior to the ankle injury which by the way was a fluke so i had two really sort of bad calls in 2021 i'll own up to them but i'll say that it was in a it came game in really shitty ways simply because christian McCaffrey had a hamstring strain Yep. That was not what anybody was predicting for him. They expected ankle or shoulder or you know, something like that again. And Saquon Barkley had this fluke rolled on a defender's ankle, ankle roll that had yep. him out for five weeks, right? His trajectory before that was absolutely out of this world. And I I said that the ACL wouldn't hold Barkley back, and it didn't. Like it really didn't. I found the tweet here, Alex. So Saquon pre ankle injury in 2021, 48% of snaps. This is weeks one through four. 48% of snaps, 84%, 86%, 89%. Targets in weeks one through four, three, three, six, and seven. Fantasy points weeks one through four, 3.7, 8.9, 21.4, 29.6. He was going to smash. I can't predict another ankle injury. I can't predict a hamstring strain the way Christian McCaffrey had. What I can tell you. Is that Saquon Barkley played over 90% of games in college, had some bad luck when he got into the NFL, and the ACL is held against him when it shouldn't be. The ankle injury was a fluke, but that stuff happens, right? That stuff happens. I can't predict that he's going to stay healthy. I can tell you that him going in the third round should be a crime in 37 states and county. I will take (laughs) Saquon Barkley and I will... I will get if you want to wait until the third round, take Saquon Barkley, anybody listening, I will join a league with you right now. And I will smash you with only Saquon Barkley's in my lineup. If that means I have one guy, I will smash you with Saquon Barkley like across the head because I am that bullish on him. I'm doubling down. I, I'm not even d- doubling down as much on Christian McCaffrey as I am on Saquon Barkley. Like wow. I want Saquon Barkley on every single roster at third round ADP. Like that is mic drop on that one, Alex.
1: Wow. Is that your flag? Plan? That's my
0: flag plan right there.
1: I love that. I love that. You were confident. Doc said it. Believe in Saquon Barkley. I would love to see it. Fun little stat about him that I saw that I did not realize. In RAS score, relative athletic score, number one tested running back since 2006. Number two is Brees Hall. Keep that in mind as well. Saquon Barkley, the number one relatively most athletic running back since 2006. Keep that in mind. I was born in 2000. So that is, that's on my whole lifetime. Oh, feels like a long time. I'm so old. Sorry. Sorry. I had to, I had to, but Saquon Barkley, your flag plant for this year. I'm excited to see what happens, but Edwin, I'm even more excited that we got to another episode together. It was so much fun having you on as always. And I hope to get you back on again sometime in the future. Before we go, you got a lot of great stuff going on. You could produce a lot of great stuff. Please tell the people where they can find it.
0: Yeah. Going a little bit of a rebrand here at the Injury Prone Podcast. No longer going to be just the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I am going to the Injury Prone Podcast. Not a big change. What I'm going to do is start interviewing performance guests, right? So like a lot of high-level sport, elite-level sport, uh, PTs, and coaches, strength coaches, and people involved in high-level sport. I'm going to start integrating that into my fantasy analysis. So we will drop the fantasy part of the name of the title and we will go with injury prone podcasts. So head over there, follow me on Twitter at fbinjurydocalex. thank you for letting me ramble for 46 minutes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But I think the other thing that, that people should be checking out, if you go into your little, your Google, which I think everyone uses Google, Google or some, some, some form of browser go on your Google right now and type in fantasy points, space injury reports. And you will probably see a link to some of Edwin's articles. They were articles that I read every single week last off season, all the time. Edwin was my go-to person to look at that had timelines on when you could come back from injuries and when players were projected to likely come back from whatever was going on. And he had a whole data table with every player that was injured that's relevant to fantasy and when he thought they were going to come back. It was so helpful for me last year in making trades making waiver wire moves and making decisions for my fantasy lineups, whether keeping guys or dropping guys, that is something that you want to keep in mind of and something that not a lot of other injury analysts are going to do. Don't forget to find that at fantasy points. Edwin is always producing a lot of great stuff, but that's just who Edwin is. He comes up with great stuff and you guys are great listeners as well. We appreciate you listening to the fantasy, fresh fantasy podcast today. As always, always means the world to get your listenership, and to get to talk football with you guys each and every single day. But as always, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.